Podcast. Podcast. Breath of the Wild Podcast. Podcast at breathofthewild.com. The Heroes Path. That's right. That's us. We're the heroes. And it is, this is episode 34. That's right. Today's date is, oh, I had it just a second ago, September 23rd. Ryan sent me a calendar of like the schedule of when our episodes are going to land, and I have not looked yes. at it yet. I have like a a prediction, a prophecy of how many more episodes there are, and exactly what day we will record each of them, and then what days they will be released. That's a lot, because I don't pay that much thought ahead of time. I mostly act on instinct. On Halloween, we will both disappear. That's right. Finally. To bats. Thank goodness. This time, you were gonna hopefully get to Vanaboris. Yeah, I was all... I, I did the first part of the, like, pre-Divine Beast segment, which this, in totality, is a much bigger segment. Uh, yeah, you have to do a whole dungeon. There's a whole dungeon, and then a whole... Well, there's, like, and even get... Well, let me think this through. There's the getting to the city aspect, which is relevant only... Well, it's relevant in the other ones, about having to get a special kind of clothing to get to the city. Kind of. I sp- I sp- but they don't make it into, like, a scripted quest. Right. There's, like, the, the journey to get there, and then mm. some kind of pre-quest-style thing. And then at Which the- is, um... Uh, it, it's fairly simple for... If we... It, we're gonna do a lot of ranking in this episode. That's right. And... In in terms of the uh, pre, uh, what what do we call it? Uh, before the divine beast, there is the action sequence. Yeah, and before the action sequence, there is the there's some kind of quest. Quest, and you have and the I version would... of the quest in um, Rito Land, which is embarrassingly simple. I think the, the, the key thing to keep in mind is when you finish that quest, that's when you get the cutscene where you have a memory. Ah, okay. It's it's whatever you have to do before you hit that point, and then the memory pops up, and then getting that unlocks, like, the action sequence that you can go to. In that case, is that how it works in uh, Zora Land? Zora Land, you have to get to Zora's domain and then talk to a bunch of people because you get that cutscene of all the of the one right. uh, Muzu whoever who's like mad but then oh, I and would then you say have to get the, the quest there yeah. is going to the Lionel and getting the shock arrows and doesn't that happen after you get the memory that does yeah so it doesn't quite sync up that way but yes but also Not that's optional only... I guess it is but it is like the the quest that they send you on I don't, I, they don't really phrase, uh, anyway, here, here, it's very complicated. You have a dungeon and you traverse the desert and then you got the thunder helm. We talked about that. So I got the thunder helm. That was the last thing I did. I brought it back to town and handed it over to Riju. It is too large for her child head, which is a really fun bit. Mm-hmm. where it keeps kind of like falling down and she keeps having to put it back into place and it's it's good it's good uh then you get that flashback cutscene that we were talking about where you get the memory of the champion in question 
Sure. So we flash back to Urbosa, who is out in the desert, uh, tending to a sleeping Zelda who had been out, like, surveying or, like, looking at ruins or something like that. And is this the one where they're, like, hanging out on Vandaboris? Yeah, they're, like, it's, like, okay. nighttime and they're kind of just yeah. slumped over or taking a nap. The, it's not laid out as explicitly here, and I don't know if it comes from the DLC or just from creating a champion, but Urbosa's background is that she was good friends with Zelda's mom, the queen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And after Zelda's mom having passed in the backstory of the game, she's kind of, like, has a mom-style role for her. Yes, I think that, if I remember correctly, most of where we get this is in, like, journals in Hyrule Castle, is that right? I don't remember that being there, okay. but that might have definitely been there. I feel like I knew this before I did any of the DLC, and I haven't read Creating a Champion. So, I don't know. I'd send you my copy, but it weighs 7,000 pounds. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's cute. It's, it's good that she's kind of surrogate mom. Yeah. And that becomes her character. And then she, like, also uses her lightning powers to wake her up. But, like, and Link, like, walks into the scene and, like, Urbosa just kind of talks at him for a while in a weird way, but, mm. um, she has lightning powers for reasons. Yeah. When she snaps her fingers, lightning happens. Yeah. Then Riju... Has you meet her south of town at a little outpost. Cute little outpost. There's like bomb arrows in a chest there. So again, the oh, game yeah. is just like handing you stuff instead of making you seek it out. It's very funny. Well, except in Zora area. Right. Because they expect you to go there first. That's, geez, that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that too. It's good. Yeah. Uh, so talking to her there starts the pre-divine beast action segment and it's really cool it's one of the ones that is seems the most um perilous yeah 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 yeah. because in like va rudania you're able to be so deliberate and slow about it that it doesn't i mean they're not really trying to make it an action sequence um but like va medo it's just so it, it feels more exciting the first time but then you realize that it's really really easy so like fundamentally this is not much different than the va meadow one but it's way better well you're moving around so much you're moving and around there's a sandstorm so you don't know where the heck you are uh the trick is that um you're riding on sand heels you and riju mm -hmm. and she summons like the power of the gerudo gods to like project a force field from the thunder helm to protect you against vonaboris's lightning yeah uh and so you have to do the thing where you like you have to like ride to the site which is really good you're not just yeah. warped there you ride your sand seals to get underneath vonaboris and you have to shoot bomb arrows at its hooves to damage it enough to like end the segment but naboris will periodically shoot like very extremely powerful lightning at you yeah that like ate through I got hit once and ate through like my thunder gear even. Oh gosh! I was or I was wearing the uh, the the rubber suit. And you have the complete rubber suit, right? Yes, and it still ah. damages you quite a bit. So you have to like constantly stay in the force field, and it's fiddly enough that it's not necessarily all that easy to pull off. It's very cool. No, it, it like 
staying inside the forest field is a challenge. But, like, my instinct anyway was like, okay, stay inside the forest field the entire time. But that doesn't really work. You have to leave to be able to shoot the hooves efficiently. Mm. And so it's it's very challenging and exciting and probably the best one. Yeah, this is this whole... I, I'm going to say everything about this Divine Beast might be the best. Yeah, I enjoyed every part of all this. Um, it's is is bugging me that you use bomb arrows here because we have uh just like all the uh ganon blights should have corresponding runes that they're weak to it feels like with four arrow types or four magic arrow types that aren't ancient arrows um there should be like each of these battle segments or action sequences should use one arrow type. Yeah. And that almost happens because they make such a big deal out of shock arrows over there and bomb arrows make perfect sense for the star Fox battle. And you don't really use arrows at all in the Varudania version. Yeah. That's where it kind of starts to fall apart. You could definitely design one of those sequences where you had to use ice arrows and it would make perfect sense. But they, I guess, were more excited about doing a stealth sequence and it's fun, so I don't care. But here, it like, imagine if the brief was to use fire arrows. It would make just as much sense. Yeah, you just have to change the targets from hooves to, like, some sort of, like, leaking oil. Or just sir. say, we need to overheat the hooves. There's like a oil segment or something. There's a fuel tank you gotta hit. Yeah. Yeah, they could have done hit that. the fuel tanks in the hooves. That's perfect. Yeah, something like that. But but it's all good. It's it's fun. It's all good. It's fun. Yes. Uh you accomplish this and then Riju tells you to go on in and take care of things. She's here to delegate. Yeah. She's basically She's like, a good leader despite being twelve years old. Exactly. She's like, Okay, I've done it. Or I've done what I'm going to do. You go take care of this thing. I, it seems like you're pretty okay with doing that. And you are because you're Link. You're the guy. Uh, You walk in. You talk to Urbosa's ghost. Who is supportive mom ghost? And now Ryan has put a note in the thing. It says now it is the time. Now that we've met all eight champions. Mm-hmm. To rank the champions. Um, Dramatic music. The thing is. Should we talk for a second about categorizing the nouveau champions as champions? I mean, I think if we're going to rank everybody together, it's I, 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 I want to rank them all, all eight as, as a group. I agree. But, like, is there a reason to call Unobo a champion? Yeah. Why? Other than Age of Calamity. He comes in and helps you. He's they, He fulfills the game's role as him being the new champion. Do they call him the new champions in no, the game? No, at no point is anybody a new champion, but they're all, like, given that role. Okay, okay. They get, the, they get the text with their name. They get introduced, like, you know, the game treats them as the new champions. Sure. Okay. I think in the, so... game, in the game's language, it's fair to call them champions, even if, like, nothing in this game says that they're champions. By the time we get to right, next okay. game, they'll be official champions, and it'll be like, you know, they'll be yeah. training the new set of champions. That they'll have about. the blue kerchiefs. Uh, you know, Unobo has the blue kerchief, though. 
Oh, well, then he is a champion. He's the only one, I think. The rest of them just have, like, their normal outfits. Okay. I think. That's odd. Does Sidon have? No, Sidon doesn't have it. Sidon's just cool. Okay, so let's rank them. All right. Um, in the F tier is Teba. Okay. Here's where I'm going to disagree with you. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, I've kind of come around on Teba. I like, I like Teba, I think. After months of me panning Teba as a character, I think I've turned around on Teba, and I think he's more interesting than, let's say, Rivali. More interesting than Rivali. Okay. Because Rivali. I'll give you just enough rope to hang yourself. All right, let's go. Rivali is kind of a one trick bird. That's true. He is the spurned rival, and that's it. Yeah. Like, that's all he's got. That's all the gas in his tank. When I was playing his segments and, like, the stuff he was talking about, I was very unimpressed. I'm like, this is it? There's nothing else going on here? Okay. Um, Whereas Teba, a character that had gone completely beneath my notice, actually ends up with a full backstory and, like, there was more substance there even if it wasn't put out as much. He's got his family. He's got his, like best friend that was helping him do this task you have the whole interaction where you go and you meet him and he's like yep well i'm gonna go try and destroy the divine beast you can help me if you want but like i'm gonna get this done maybe because he's in the game more i got more out of it but i was definitely like yeah teba's way cooler than raleigh um the thing is that teba is like you're right that what he has going on is more interesting but he fails to make any kind of impression i Yes, on first glance, but having played the game and scrutinized it much more in the way that I have, I'm definitely like Rivali, or Teba's way cooler than Rivali. Hmm. Okay, well, I don't want to draw this out, because I'm going to have enough trouble, like, remembering who everybody is. Here, I'm going to get a text document going here. Okay. I need need a notepad. Alright, tentatively, I'm going to rank the two. I'm going to put Teba... Rivali, but that's because those are the only two we've put on this list so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else is at the bottom? I feel like Unobo has got to be at the bottom. I feel like Unobo is going to be the bottom here. Uh, uh, and like, I and I think that's oh good. I I would say having I I'm I'm convinced at least to a certain point by your argument. Uh, Teba has depth, and Unobo is just like. He's scared, and then he's yeah. impressed. Yeah. And... He doesn't get a lot. I know there's some cool cutscenes of him, again, in Age of Calamity, which, like, tailors a lot of, you know, it, it... Age of Calamity gives him a chance to flesh out these characters more. I know mm-hmm. Yunobo's cool in that game, but in this game, he's got nothing. Yeah. Just, just nothing. Uh... uh. Do you like Daruk? Daruk's okay. He's fine. He's good. He's just, you know, the... He's kind of, you know... Darunia 2.0. Basically. Just not... Uh, the Goron ethos lends itself to this kind of vague enthusiasm that is fun, but not as interesting as other things. He's the... Who's the Three Kingdoms character I'm thinking of? I forget. Yeah, but he's the he's the, the stout warrior that's kind-hearted archetype. That is like, it's fine. It's fine. He's good. But, like, he doesn't strike an impression the way a lot of these other ones do. 
Uh, would you put him above Unobo? I would put Daruk above Unobo, absolutely. But, I don't but, know where to. But not put above Ravali. Um, How do you feel about Daruk versus Ravali? I like Ravali better than Daruk as a character, yeah. Okay, so that's. We got Teva, Ravali, Daruk, Unobo. Okay. Uh, fish or bird, or fish or Gerudo? Let's do fish. Okay. Even though we're supposed to do those first. We're, we're, it's a freeform list. Um, I am kind of tepid on Sidon because everyone loves him so much that I'm like over it. Sidon's cool. You get to interact with him a whole bunch. Um, he's another one that's like, his character is kind of a an archetype or a trope of just the really enthusiastic knight i wish he got to do more i know he does a lot in the game but like he's almost like a protagonist he could be a protagonist in a game sure yeah or like the thing is he is like uh, i've been watching ducktales okay and there is a i feel like there's a character on ducktales oh storkules Oh my gosh, I hope someone listening to this knows what I'm talking about. Um, Another, like, huge guy, not very bright, very honorable, and, like, all about defeating evil in the simplest terms. Um, Just want, like, has a really dim understanding of heroics. I feel like... In kind of the same way that you feel um, Rivali isn't that interesting, I don't think Sidon is that interesting. I'm kind of with you there. I, I I wish he had more. He's got plenty, but he could have more. Let's get a Sidon game. That sounds good. Uh, okay, so would you consider Sidon uh, better or worse than Rivali? The thing is... Even though Rivali is not a complex individual, okay, he still makes an impression. He is fun to watch, mm-hmm. um, and I think that for that reason, I like him better than Sidon. But if this is both of our list, and I think Rivali is very close to the top of the list so far. Which so far, he's I number two. Expecting. This is strange. He could stay there. I'm okay with that. You want to okay. put him? Uh, Sidon above Daruk, then? Uh, Sidon above Daruk. I feel like Sidon and Daruk are really on the same exact level in my mind. Okay. Uh, that means I need to tip it one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give Sidon the edge over Daruk, just barely. Okay. Alright, how about Mifa? Mifa... Hmm. I have a weakness for the unrequited romance angle i will always be like oh she likes link but he's gonna be with zelda that always gets me and i think that that makes her somewhat more interesting than i think more interesting than sidon yeah probably more interesting than um hmm if she's above Sidon, let me. Then it's 
she's in the top three with Rivali and Teva. Yeah. Okay. Would you say she's a more interesting character than Teva? The problem is you've made such a good <laughs> case for Teba. Okay, but because Mifa, well, okay, Mifa made Link the Zora armor as like this declaration of love that she couldn't actually explain. I feel like putting Mifa at the top of this list is a solid. Like, I think that's a solid option. I like Teba. Okay. I'm I am now the Teba fan club. Uh, somehow. I never I saw this. I never saw this coming, but uh, I also recognize that Mifa is a character that is tied more to the story and is more interesting. That's true. Yeah, and has more of a, yeah. I'm putting Mifa at the top of the list. We can we'll run it down again, and we can make any last minute changes. We're not locked sure. in. Okay. Uh, we got the two Garrido. We got Riju and we got Urbosa. Okay, I like Riju a lot. Me too. We could put Riju at the top of this, and I would be like, yeah. Let's put Riju at the top. Okay. And then how about Urbosa? Um, See, I feel like I feel like we hit the same thing we do with Rivali and Sidon, where we don't have as much to work with. Yeah. Urbosa kind of, in the same way as Sidon, um, she's just so, like, appealing in kind of a general way that I don't find her as exciting because she's like, she's just everything that a good character is supposed to be. She's yeah. really strong, but she's also wise and she's also nice. And um, that's, it's, it's cool that she's in there, but she's not as interesting. It's good as... for a background character that's filling an archetype. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually want her to be roughly on the same level as Sidon. Does that work for you? Let me think how I want this to go. If I put her underneath Sidon. That works for me. So, so let's, let's, let's see how this feels. Okay. I've got, I've got a list of eight people. Uh, Link doesn't make this list cause he's a chomp. <laughs> Despite kind of being a champion, whatever, who cares? That guy, he was wearing a fish round on his head earlier. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Okay, so from start the, from the bottom. Start from the bottom. Uh, number eight, the eighth best champion is Unobo. Fact. Number seven is Daruk. Surprising, but it's a like the top is uh, it's a very close at the top. I mean, it's all stacked. There's a lot of really good folks on this yeah. list. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number six, Urbosa. Okay. Number five, Sidon. Okay. Number four, Rivali. So this is in the top half. Yes. Rivali is in the top half. Rivali is in the top yeah. half. Teba, number three, Dark Horse Candidate. I cannot... What timeline is this? <laughs> uh, Mifa, number two. Mifa. And then Riju, number one. Yep. I'm happy to see Riju on top. Riju's good. Riju's cool. She's very good. And she looks cool. She is like, super cool. And... The Thunderhelm doesn't fit her. His helmet the Thunderhelm is like it. It looks like uh, Von Boris's head, right? Maybe, probably, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which they... is weird because then the uh, amiibo give you uh, the Von Boris 
helmet or whatever. I was looking into that the other like day because I thought that maybe that stuff was DLC, but no, it is all just amiibo unlocks only. And I'm like, that's miserable. Well, it's, I mean, <laughs> how miserable is it if you didn't even know it was there? But like, the ami- okay, so I've been trying to unlock with the amiibo every time I play. I'm trying to get that uh, Twilight Princess Zelda bow okay. to put on my wall in my house. Uh, sure. But the chances are so low, and you can only do it once a day. Oh, that is miserable. No, it's bad. It's extremely if bad. If you bought the amiibo, go ahead and give you the special bow. Yeah, at least like the first time you use it, let's give you the special item. and then. But no, it's all yeah. percentages. That sucks. It's really bad. It's really bad. It's only going to get worse, because I guarantee there'll be new amiibo for the next game. But for the next set of champions. Oh no! What if they do amiibo for the new for the champ the other champions? Um, that'd be that's, cool. Then I'd have a Riju amiibo, I'd and I'd have a Teva amiibo. Do you know what my amiibo collection is? Uh, I don't. Tell me your amiibo collection, then I'll tell you mine. Not counting a fairly slim stack of Animal Crossing cards, mm. I have Isabel and Digby from my copy of. <laughs> uh animal crossing amiibo festival okay that i got for like five dollars oh that's that's wonderful right um and then my custom modded we fit trainer available on uh that website uh oh don't tell people okay uh we don't have time to get into this when this episode <laughs> comes out i'll post on the heroes path twitter account about my thing but the upshot is the newer uh, we fit trainer amiibos. If you can get them, the cast or the thing is glued on too good, oh, so my mod doesn't work anymore. That's disappointing. Nintendo's yeah. on one. Uh, what else? Do you anyway, have? no, that's it. Oh, okay. I've got a bunch. <laughs> what do I have? I've got a Smash Brothers Samus one, which is just a good figure. I've got a Smash Brothers Toon Link. I've got. Smash Brothers. You have Mega Man, right? I do have Mega Man. That's right. I forgot about him. Um, I got the boys. I got Ness and Lucas. Okay. Because I was able to buy Mother Three merchandise at a Target, which broke my brain a little bit. Um, <laughs> I've got the Samus Returns Metroid, but just the Metroid itself. It's squishy. You can squish it. It's really good. Uh, I probably have more than I'm forgetting. I've got Poochie. Oh. I've got the Yarn Poochie. I don't have a game that can even use it, but I was like, I will buy Poochie at any point if you give me the option. Uh, is that all the amiibos? I have, like... A scheme begins to form in Ryan's mind. Uh, I think that's all the amiibos I have. I've got access to some others that I borrowed for some from some people, but I think that's all the ones that are actually my amiibos. Anyway, we should probably anyway. talk about Breath of the Wild. <laughs> okay, wow, we really got we off. We got a little, a little sidetracked. Uh, Vanna Morris is a wild dungeon, and it might be the best dungeon in the game. I think it is. And I'd forgotten basically everything about it, and I was like, oh, this is good. It's, it's really good. You are inside a giant robot camel. Uh-huh. Which, we've been inside several giant robots already, but like... Let's take time to appreciate that you're inside a giant robot camel. It has the three um, barrels to the inside, and you have the power to rotate them. 
Independently, yeah. Yeah. And there are all these platforms inside so that when you rotate the one of the barrels, that section of the dungeon is now flipping around in real time. And so, like, walls are becoming platforms and vice versa, which is something that happened to an extent in all the other Divine Beasts. But here it's like you're really changing the geometry in a drastic way whenever you manipulate this dungeon. Yeah, and having three separate ones next to each other means you can create all sorts of weird configurations. Yeah. Which also is the other half of this, which is that there are currents of electricity running that you can connect from one side to the other. Yes. To solve other puzzles, so... And, like, that would be a puzzle by itself, just manipulating these rollers to make to make electricity go around a cylinder, but you happen to be walking around inside that cylinder at the yeah. same time. Yeah. Uh, it's really cool. It's really cool, and it's it's so cool that I I want to hypothesize that they came up with this dungeon first, and they said... Okay, like, once they had designed most of it or come up with the main ideas, then they were like, well, how can we do that with all the other dungeons? And so all the other divine beasts are kind of shadows of this concept. And Maybe. that's why their dungeon manipulation mechanics aren't as awesome. Maybe. I could see something like that. They go from that and they start hypothesizing other things, and it's like, well, what about a water current that you manipulate because that's something we do. And then yeah, the other two, they're just like, ah, just different configurations of the same thing. And just kind of like, tilt the dungeon back and forth. Yeah. Which is still rad. It's still cool, but it's not as cool as what's going on here. Right. The other thing is, um, the, <laughs> I want to take time to point out the balconies on the sides of the main, uh, cylinder because they really feel to me like partly because you get that scene in the memory of hanging out on one of those balconies they make the divine beast inexplicably feel like a real place especially in the ways the other ones didn't yeah 10,000 years ago someone built this mecha camel as a giant engine of war and they had to have this lookout station on the side of the camel so that you would be able to you know what i mean yeah i'm thinking about how like the the cutscenes we see of the past don't really show you like being on them very much i think mm -hmm. you might be standing on it when you're talking to daruk um and then like you're sitting on it for the mifa cutscene, but it's all really like you could be sitting anywhere yeah, they treat it as, like, a part of the landscape and not really as a a constructed place. And, like, and and how uh, in Vometo, like, it has that big area on top that they could have put a cutscene yeah. or something, but they just didn't. They weren't interested in that. Uh, but, like, that's the, the top of Vometo is kind of the same sort of thing. It, like, having this uh, part of the dungeon that doesn't really serve any dungeon purpose... Or mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. is, um, I guess that's where you fight the boss, but it's designed to be pretty yeah, and not really function, not designed solely for the purpose of being a boss arena. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, I like those balconies. 
There's also the fact that Vonnebors has an entire other section we haven't even mentioned yet. Oh, yeah. It's the camel humps are two towers that connect with, like, some segments in between. It's Amazing. ridiculous. This is, this is, like, the only Divine Beast that has, like, separate discrete sections in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Like, everything else all feels like one big room. This one feels more like a more traditional Zelda that has, like, segmented areas. Mm-hmm. And I think a, a stronger, like, through line of progression, because yeah. you have to get to those uh, humps and you have to uh, you have to do these kind of long puzzles with activating the electricity nodes on the top to get into that thing. Yep. Uh, just Which incredible. you can skip with Revali's Gale. Sort of, yeah. You can use Revali's Gale to get around a little bit in a way that makes it a little more convenient. Um, I don't really... Specific puzzles, I don't even really... I think we pretty much covered it all. Uh, there's something kind of interesting with how the camel's butt moves up and down depending on whether it's receiving power. Oh, I gosh. About that. There's... Yeah, so like one of the first things I did when I got in is there's a chest suspended from a rope... Uh, yeah over the over like the ground over like the the edge of the divine beast and i'm looking at the situation and i'm like oh i can just switch out really quick and grab it with magnesis after i free it <laughs> uh and listener i definitely was not fast enough to do that i bet it's not even possible it's got to be possible someone has gotten that chest before well i think I when you manipulate how. with a more of the dungeon you can get it to a position where it's dangling over oh, okay. something is what it is all right but i was like huh i'm not gonna do that i'm just gonna go for it and that was a mistake i've never gotten it right in if you've gotten that chest to podcast at breath of the wild.com we got breath of the dot wild that's right it's dot it's w dot ild uh, we had to lie on the domain registration and say that we were from the Isle of Dogs. That's right. No one will know. No one will know. You can't. Pr- it's the internet. You can't prove we're not a dog. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff. Um, and also a very tough boss fight. The, the you fight this boss inside the barrel. Of yeah, the main the main area, Thunderblade Cannon. Th- there's some because this that it, that central area is not. It's a really awkward place to have a boss fight, Extremely. especially since the configure. I don't know if you can move the parts around while you're fighting. I don't think you can. I didn't try to. Um, but like they can be in any config, whatever configuration you were when you activated the last thing. Um, the central control unit has to be upright but the others could be in any of eight different configurations so that that feels like evidence toward my theory that they designed this first because like then you end up having to paste the boss fight on top of that design in a way that they probably weren't expecting if I'm imagining this was early in the process. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it just, I, I guess I'm just weirded out by, <laughs> you have to fight a boss 
on the in a room with a curved floor yep. that might be all that's weird and to all me. sorts of weird obstacles in a way that and because the boss does certain things it makes it extremely challenging yes yeah this was the most difficult ganon fight he will alternate between shooting electric balls and then dashing at you at super high speeds yeah uh which i am not particularly well at dodging um yes it it is one of the they really want you in, over the course of this game to get good at the uh, quick time commands or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I never did. Uh, but this is one of the boss fights where they really expect you to, like, if you're not able to use the dodge action, then you're finding some way around the normal way of interacting with this yeah. boss. Uh, and then he's got a shield that you have to take out before you can even start to damage him. Yeah, just rude. Uh, when you get to the halfway through the fight part, uh, he will start to drop these like metal pillars around you mm-hmm. and then shoot lightning at them that arcs around and to zap you. Yeah. But this is where you get to do the cool rune thing and you can magnesis them. And then throw them towards him, which shocks himself and leaves him open cool. to attack. Uh, but because of the layout of the room, like we were talking about, sometimes that's really hard to pull off. Oh, yeah. Uh, there is no guarantee that a uh, pillar will land in the right place. And then it takes forever to magnesis it up to wherever Thunderblot Ganon is. And they'll be like, it'll land on the upper platform above you. So you have to like, kind of scramble up to these like, really precarious platforms yeah. to try and grab them. And it's 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 ridiculous. Like it's. All this is like, it's not the worst, but it's definitely challenging. Yeah. I would hate to do this one first. Yes, but some people do. I bet. Uh, and then towards the end of the fight, he started just shooting guardian lasers at me, which is really good because I can deflect those really easy. Oh, well, good for you. Um, and that's it. I beat the last Ganon. Well. Well done. Uh, with that Ganon down, Urbosa gives you her magic thingy, which is Urbosa's Fury. Which I fiddled with a little bit, because I didn't remember. This is the one I remembered the least. Mm-hmm. And just anytime you do a weapon charge attack, where you, like, hold the button down to do an attack, yeah. if you have charges of Urbosa's Fury, it just does an area of effect lightning around you. Um. Yes, where, like, she her ghost shows up, and it shows the sphere of where this area will be. Yeah. And then as soon as you do your charged strike, she snaps her fingers and there's lightning all over the place. And this is the one power that I've found I actually want to turn off sometimes. Really? Um, it makes... And maybe it, it had to do with this uh, uh, health recharging that enemies have in master mode that I've complained about so much. Uh-huh. Um, that like damaging enemies that you're not trying to damage uh can be a liability sometimes weird just not not having that control over who's being attacked especially if uh, you're trying to be stealthy at all i guess i'm curious to see what my experience with it is on baby mode uh because i just don't remember it at all i'm pretty sure i got this and then went beat the game the first time i played through so like Mm. I didn't fiddle with it at all, so we'll see. Yeah. Uh, she does the you get the cutscene of like the divine beast moving into place and stuff, and she gets some dialogue 
which gets into some of this, the Ocarina of Time references in this that I'd forgotten. Yes, I am kind of sour on this. Okay. Um, because she explains as she's like activating the Divine Beast's laser, she says that like she's mad at Ganon for taking on the form of a Gerudo at some point. Yes. Am I right? In Skyward Sword, they... <laughs> I knew this was coming. Yeah. I haven't played Skyward Sword, but... You've not played Skyward Sword. Uh, the story is some very mean guy with red hair does a curse, and he says that this curse is going to keep coming back and causing problems for the good guys in Zelda games. And so every instance of Ganondorf or Ganon after that point is an avatar of this curse, right? Yes, sort of. I mean, it becomes a very big thing about like, I mean, because like, this is the first thing that's come out since Skyward Sword that like touches on this at all. Uh-huh. it's like hard to it's i i want to say it's not as big of a retcon as you might think it is because it's just saying that like there was an evil guy who said there will be more evil guys later because i'm doing a curse but uh, i am i'm going to regret this but let's, go. let's get into timeline stuff okay in the new timeline does ganon show up before ocarina of time no okay Here's the thing. Okay. Ocarina of Time, Ganondorf is basically just a guy, right? Yeah. He's he's a magician. He has horrible magic powers and he has this crazy scheme, but he uh is is just a a, a mortal acting under his own volition, with his own goals that he came up with. And he turns into a demon pig. But then in, like, Wind Waker, the same more or less human guy Mm -hmm. is like, well, I had these goals. I wanted this. I coveted that wind. And so I took all these actions because I wanted something. And I think that the character of... Ganon, Ganondorf, as like, he come in all these other games, he's just a pig demon who wants to cause mayhem. Uh, but the fact that, or like, the way that Ocarina, because of course Ocarina at the time was like, this is the, or, this is the first one, this is explaining everything that came after. And they're setting up the demon Ganon as the fate of the guy yeah. Ganondorf. And so... That's what bugs me about Urbosa's speech here is that she's saying the entity Ganon was already an immortal monster curse before Ocarina of Time. It just happened to instantiate itself as a Gerudo person to cause its demonic. It robs Ganondorf of agency, I would say. Because he doesn't get to be a person, a mortal person. He is the hand of a devil. So there's a couple things. In response to what 
Urbosa is saying, I think it's safe to say that we cannot necessarily take her words at face value because she is a character that has come ages after the time of Ocarina of Time. And it's possible that the story is not, it's only known to her as her ancestors saying that this, you know, actual known evil god that's living in Hyrule right now took, you know, was a Gerudo at one point, but took the form of a Gerudo. Can you believe how evil he must be to take that form? I have a response to this, but what is your other... When you say there's a couple things, is there another thing you want to say? Respond to this one, and I've got a bigger thing I want to wrap around. Okay. Um, I can't see it that way, because I have to see this speech of Urbosa's as the writer is talking to the players. I think that on one hand, it's it's written as like a Skyward Sword or like official timeline shout out Easter egg to be like, yeah, this is we're like we know that we this is the lore. And so we're saying a thing that is in line with the lore. I think that there's also kind of a uh, I guess like a political correctness element where optics wise it's not really cool for the pig demon in all of these games to be originally a king of thieves from the desert with olive skin and they would want to retcon that i think is what's going on so i think i still disagree because i think that the way Breath of the Wild seems to engage with its Ocarina of Time content is more as a curiosity. We've talked before on the podcast about how they kind of try and lump everything pre-Breath of the Wild as like, that's the old stuff that we don't care about anymore. We've Mm -hmm. advanced the time so far ahead that everything that we're touching on is just for referential sake. It's not trying to draw on any of that stuff. Not yet, at least. Um... And I think, you know, they call it like the age of myth in the in the creating a champion book. Like they really try and set it aside. So I think her referencing that isn't meant to be an absolute like continuation of okay. that. But the big question looming over all of this is what are they going to do in Breath of the Wild 2 when Ganondorf comes back as a mummy? Because that's going to dictate a lot of what we're talking about now. Yes. Because for all we know, they might rewrite all of that and bring in entirely new lore. But, um, no, that's a good point. I will say that I think that this part of the game was written not knowing that there would be a sequel where he's a mummy. I I don't think they had that planned ahead. I, I wonder. I really wonder. I'm gonna love to dig into some of the dev stuff after the next game comes out and see like where they came from with this because we don't get a lot of direct sequels to nintendo stuff in this specific way um and what we do it's yeah not 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 like this very seldom like this sure so that's exciting to see so i think a lot of this conversation will be flavored by what will we're gonna look back and say ah how quaint before we find out that Ganondorf is a time traveling guy, and there's seven different ones, and oh, some nonsense like that. It'll become Kingdom Hearts all of a sudden. Okay, but the the bigger question I want to I, I want to pose to you, 
Okay. You know, you're somebody that, like a lot of people, played Wind Waker and really enjoyed the characterization of Ganondorf in that as somebody that did an evil thing, but for, you know, reasons that are sympathetic. Basically, yeah. And, you know, Skyward Sword comes around and it does say that, like, there was an original evil sort of god kind of person. I think they call him a demon king or something like that. Like Dracula. And he did, like, curse the bloodline and say that at some point another demon king will rise and I'll be back to take on your descendants. And, you know, that's implied to be Ganon. And also Maladus somehow, sort of. That's it's very confusing. Oh, I don't... That... We can't... Please don't bring that up. I will not I bring... Deal with I, I that probably, right okay, we can't deal with that right now. So I guess my big question to you then, Ryan... Mm-hmm. Is taking all this into account, if Ganondorf, the person, if his fate was predestined to become an evil person, does that make his actions, like, any less tragic? Because um, in my mind, like, it, his fate could still be predestined by the 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 cosmos of what the, the in-universe cosmos dictates. But it could still be a tragic fall, nonetheless. It does the mechanism could still be tragic. No, um, I I think that like viewing it as in terms of being tragic, you're right. Yes. But my issue isn't with it being tragic. Okay. My issue is with Ganondorf having agency. Yeah. So you think that being predestined, he just doesn't have agency at that point. Um. I guess by definition, he wouldn't. Right. He's like, he's put on this earth not to have, (laughs) not to have a goal of whatever he wants in Ocarina of Time or to have this kind of cool goal that he has in Wind Waker that was retconned into Ocarina of Time. Uh, But his, his fate is to cause problems for Link and Zelda. Okay. And that's not interesting to me. Okay. So that that makes sense. We've, we've we've had conversations on and off the air about this topic, and so that's where I'm at. Where I look at that and say, if, even if his fate was predestined, it's still just as tragic. But it's it's. I also it's, I mean I can yeah. see the perspective that yeah, having be predestined means it's not as impactful. If you if you don't worry about Skyward Sword, then the Zelda series starting with Ocarina of Time is there was this guy who wanted the Triforce and it it turned him into this monster that now, and like the stuff we're going to get to in the end of this game becomes much more interesting. If you think of the (laughs) Ganon monster as like this, uh, a human who got in over his head, so to speak. Yeah. Um, But what you gonna do? I think that's it. I think that's it. I'm trying to think of it. Do you have anything to talk about? I think we're done talking. What else? Well, so I did that. I beat the game. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, the credits. I rolled credits. And then after credits. Uh, Isn't it tragic that the credits music in the in Legend of Zelda is basically the same as the game over music? Oh, in LZ? Yeah. No, I like it, though. It's a good tune. It's a snazzy little tune. It is a good tune. But what does it mean that when it you means... die, you get the same music you <laughs> it get? It means they wrote win. five songs. <laughs> 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 you 
because that's as much as they could afford back in the day. Okay, you get oh you meet you go back to Gerudo Town. You meet Riju again. She gives you Urbos's sword and shield. Is her sword here the sword of the seven? Yes. Lore. And the shield is I forget the name of the shield, but it's a nice shield. The so now those are in my house. Uh, my house has a full set of my friend's weapons and armor. It's you have a full set, but you still have room for the Twilight Princess bow? So I need, I only have one bow. I need two more bows and I need one more shield. Oh, okay. And Well, hopefully you'll find the mirror shield. Mirror shield's not in- <laughs> Oh, shush, you, you got me. I was like, wait, is mirror shield in there? No, the only shield you can get from Amiibo stuff is from the Wind Waker Zelda Amiibo. And is that the like is that the the Wind Waker shield that's kind yeah, of Yeah. But not even like cool, the cool design. One. Yeah. I mean I'll take that shield over the Highland shield, but hmm. what if it was the cool lobster shield from Phantom Hourglass? Yeah. It's cool. It's got a lobster on it. Um well, she also has lobster. So also the Thunder Helm is sitting there in the throne room, and so I walked up to the Thunder Helm and she's like, You can't have that and I say, Well what if I <laughs> borrow it she's like i guess i could let you borrow it but you got to do something for me first so she said you have to help out garrido town and gave me a quest for that but it's extremely open-ended so i don't know exactly what i need to do so i might as well just do all all the side quests i might as well just do all of the garrido town side quests that seems like a fair thing to do i think you will i think i might (laughs) 